Right, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Mark. Mark chapter 6. Fill you in on the truth about this morning. Tommy thought that he had scheduled his flight for 6 p.m., not 6, 6 a.m. And so I was informed uh, Friday that I would be preaching this morning. So there was a little bit of confusion there. <clears throat> Mark chapter 6. We are going through the book of Mark on uh, Sunday nights with the college students. And by the way, if you're between the ages of 18 23, love to have you come and be a part of our ministry, New Identity. We meet at the house uh, 6 o'clock now throughout the summer, <clears throat> but um, 6.33 normally. So love to have you come and be a part. Mark chapter 6. This morning, we're going to focus primarily on one particular topic, okay? Now, we're going to definitely branch off. We're going to get on some rabbit trails here and there. But for the most part, we're going to primarily focus on one, one topic, and that is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God, okay? That's what he would, would strive to show and teach and talk about for three years of his ministry while here on earth. Jesus is Lord. And so here in Mark chapter 6, just having fed the multitude with five loaves of bread and two fish, so a miraculous miracle in and of itself, I think we would agree, Jesus now turns to his disciples and he sets up what you could consider to be a learning experience for them. This is all set up a plan of God. Okay, as we look at these verses, I'm going to read just the first two here. Mark chapter 6, verses 45 and 46. Immediately he made his way, his disciples, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. While he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And so Jesus purposely sends his disciples, puts them in a boat, purposely sends them across the sea, the Sea of Galilee, while he waits, okay? Now, I'm sure at some point in time, it goes through their mind, it crosses their mind. Now, what's he going to do, okay? Well, why is he not going with us? He's staying behind while he sends us across to the other side. Look at verses 47 48. We're going to be here for just a few minutes this morning. It says, Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea. He was alone on the, other, on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. And now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. Now, if you look at Matthew chapter 14, we actually see that there was a, this was a strong storm that blows in. This is not just a wind, but a storm actually comes upon them. I believe that it's foolish to believe that this just happened, okay? This is, again, all set up by God for his glory, for his purpose, good purpose. There also in verse 48, it says that he saw them. Now just think about that. He's, he's on the mountaintop. He's been praying. He sent them across the Sea of Galilee. 
And yet, somehow or another, like a science fiction movie or something, he is watching them. He is watching over his disciples that he has placed in this storm. You got to understand, these men would go through many storms in the roads in the days and months and years ahead. Lots of storms, all right? This is, this is just the beginning, okay? They, these guys would be responsible for taking the gospel into all the world. Uh, these men are responsible for you and I sitting here this morning. It's, that's where it started. And these men would go through a great deal. They would go through a lot of trials and tribulation. Most of them, with the exception of John, would suffer great deaths because of their faith. So this storm just didn't come up out of nowhere. This is considered training ground, if you will, for these men. This is a faith builder. This is something 15, 20 years down the road when they're in the middle of another trial of, of life, they look back and remember God is faithful. God's faithful. That's, that's the point of this. And so I think we could also relate that to um, teaching every one of us here the problems that we are facing right now in life, it's not just happenstance. You didn't catch God off guard. Bible says you will have trials and tribulations in this life. You can rest assured. You can view it if you want to properly. As it's a training ground. Your faith is being built. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit there in the garden, they created storms. And yet... At the same time, it's amazing, I'm sure really frustrating to Satan at times that God uses those storms for our good and his glory. <laughs> Only he could do something quite like that. So here Jesus is, you look at it, it's the same exact picture. He is watching over us. Every single person here this morning, he's watching over you. He's watching what is happening right now in your life, whatever that might look like. Also there in verse 48, Jesus goes down. He sends the disciples across. He stays behind. He goes up onto the mountain to pray. He is watching as this storm comes over them. And then just at the right moment, he comes walking across the water. Now, there's more to this than meets the eye. I have just come to discover over the last few weeks. Two things that we're going to see here. One, this is a political statement that he is making. So allow me to explain what I'm talking about here. Jesus is walking on the Sea of Galilee. But did you know the Sea of Galilee in that day and time had been renamed, at least temporarily? It was referred to as the Sea of Tiberias. Now, if you're familiar with Tiberias, he was Caesar in that day and time. The Sea of Tiberias, all right? You would hear about Caesar oftentimes in the scriptures. Um, one particular case, I think, of where the disciples are arguing about, should they pay taxes? And Jesus says, well, whose picture's on the coin? Well, Caesar. Well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God. And so you would hear about Caesar throughout the scriptures. But there's one other fun fact here about Caesar. Tiberius considered himself God. He thinks he's God. As a matter of fact, even the coin would indicate that. So go back for just a moment. 
Jesus sends the disciples across the sea of Tiberias out into the world, if you will, the ruler of the world, Tiberius. He goes up onto the mountain. He's praying. He's watching. He's watching them in the middle of this storm. And just at the right moment, he comes walking across the one who claims to be God. He comes strolling across the waters of Tiberius, declaring, I'm God. You're not God. I'm God. I'm doing something that no mortal man can do. Our world is full of people today, possibly even some here this morning, who would say that Jesus never claimed to be God. He was just a great man, and yet that's sad. Because throughout the Bible, John 1.1, John is alluding back to Genesis 1.1. He says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word referring to Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. That's what the Bible says. Paul would say in Colossians 1.15, he would make some powerful comment there that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. But then oftentimes Jesus would make comments that would make people just furious. And he would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because we are one. Here in this moment, he is taking it a step farther and he is strolling across the sea as no mortal man could possibly do, again declaring, I am God. Tiberius cannot save you. As a matter of fact, Tiberius, the, the picture, symbolic picture of this world and the leaders of this world, he is saying, he seeks to destroy you. And so to you and I this morning, Jesus is saying, your government will not save you. Your, your money, your education, your health, all of these gods that we create, all the golden calves that we have made, that we worship, those things that we place above and beyond God, Jesus tramples, he walks over the top of every one of them. Jesus is Lord. And understand something this morning. I'm not trying to be controversial, but I don't think we make him Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. The Bible makes it crystal clear. One day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those who are lost, hopefully those who are believers have already done this. Hell is full of, of people that believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's just a little too late. The miracle of salvation is that you see it. He's Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And so as he strolled across the top of Caesar Tiberius, he is declaring, I'm God. He also says there in verse 48, he was about to pass them by. Now, think about that for just a second. If you've ever, if you've maybe missed that. He's about to pass them by. It's as if they're out here struggling and he's walking. He leaves the shore. He walks across the sea and he's headed towards the other side. Doesn't doesn't make much sense. If, if we read, we're not going to, but in verse 49, 
These people are scared out of their mind. Suddenly, in verse 49, it says, now they're terrified because they see what looks like a ghost walking across the water. They don't recognize Jesus. They have absolutely no idea it's Jesus. It's almost as if he is in a different form here. He looks different. So you think back in the Old Testament, there's at least two times that I can think of where Jesus, where God passed by something. Moses and Elijah. Elijah's situation a little bit different, but same thing. God passes by them, giving them a little taste, giving them a little picture of himself and his glory in a form they had absolutely never seen before in their lives. He passes by, revealing again, I am God. Here Jesus is doing the same thing. He's doing something no mortal man could ever possibly do. He's like a ghost walking across the water and in the same way he is declaring, guys, I am God. He's giving them just a little taste of his glory. He's just letting them see it for just a moment. I am God. I'll tell you something else that happened on a mountain that, where Jesus revealed his glory, the Mount of Transfiguration, when he's there with, again, Peter, James, and John. Those guys got to be a part of a lot of different things. And he's standing there on the mountain. Suddenly he's glowing. He changes. He's starting to change. And who show up? Moses and Elijah. Moses being a, a picture of the Word of God, the commandments of God that we are to obey. This other one being Elijah the prophet, the teacher. And Jesus, he fulfills both roles. God. Declaring, I am God. And then finally in verse 50, he just comes out and says it. For they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Jesus, middle of this storm, comes walking across, passing them by like a ghost. He says, do not fear it as I. Oftentimes when God would show up in this form in different places in the Bible, or when angels would show up, the first thing they would say, do not fear. Because people were scared to death. Do not fear it is I. It is I actually translates here, get this, I am. So you go back to the Old Testament, you think of how God described himself, Moses at the burning bush. God said, I want you to go back to Egypt and you tell the people, you tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses are really? And now who exactly do you want me to tell the Pharaoh sent me? He said, you tell him I am sent you. You, you think of other passages where Jesus would say, before Abraham was, I am. I am. Here in this moment as he stands on top of the water, Talking to these guys as they stand there in their boat. He is saying, fear not, I am God. I'm here. I'm right here with you. Fear not. How in the world Mark could miss the next part, I don't understand. But between verse 50 and 51, something really amazing happens here. 
Now, I know the Bible's clear that if everything Jesus did on this earth had been written down in books, the world would not contain all of the books it would take. I get that. But I don't see how in the world you can tell this story and leave out this part. But Matthew didn't. Matthew chapter 14. It's right here at this moment that Peter decides, he asked Jesus, can I walk on the water too? And Peter said to And Jesus said to Peter the same thing he says to every single one of us sitting here this morning. Come on. (laughs) Come on. And and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because people wear these verses out. But I will emphasize the point. Peter got out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat and walked toward Jesus. He did something no mortal man has ever done before. He is focused on Christ and he walks across the sea. Think about that. A couple of weeks ago, I was in North Carolina for two weeks working with college age males, guys, and showing them what it looks like to be a godly man. In case you didn't notice, our world is hurting for men. The problem in our country today, the the downfall of the family revolves around men. The problem in our churches today are lack of men. You get my point? Men. That's the problem. So we're talking about these things with these guys. We talk about passivity. Talk about being leaders and purity and how that when you're afraid of something, you oftentimes will make excuses and try to dodge it. We talked about humility and confidence, but the one we always talk about with these guys that there's a lot of dialogue that comes from it, being risk takers. Men are adventurous, risk takers, just natural. It's the way we're wired. But you know what? As followers of Christ, we're all called to be risk takers. For the, for the sake of the gospel, we're called to be adventurous risk takers being willing to get out of the boat as Peter would do here. And I think that the only time we'll ever be willing to do this is when we have an accurate view of Jesus. When we actually see him, only God can do this, but when we see him standing there on the water, God in human flesh, when we see that, we're much more likely to get out of the boat and say, God, do with me as you please. I I heard the story of a professional NFL football player that had been traded from one team to another, and on the first day of practice, he brought his son with him, and his son made his way out onto the field and and immediately was met by some security guards as well as some other professional athletes that were kind of aggravated by this, and they kind of started to run the kid off until his dad walked out. Suddenly when the dad walked out, the little boy walked over beside him and he's standing tall. Like, you don't know who my dad is. I think when we get a good view of our father, coming to this earth in the form of a man, Jesus, and we actually see it, we see him standing there on the water. I believe we'll be much more likely to do what Peter did here and get out of the boat. Do something. Do something for the glory of God. 
I also think it's interesting in Matthew chapter 14. I like the fact that Peter takes it a step further. I mean, the Bible, Matthew takes it a step further here and also shows us that Peter was human, just like every single one of us sitting here. Because we know there that he took his eyes off of God for whatever reason, maybe he starts second-guessing this decision that he's made. I have no clue, but maybe there are waves still hitting him. Maybe the wind's tossing him around. He starts focusing on Tiberius. He starts focusing on the things of the world. And he takes his eyes off of God, and the Bible says he begins to sink. And all of us, you will find in your life, when you start putting too much focus on, on presidents and governments and money and people, you will find yourself anxious. But then again, we are human. And so there will be those times, much like here with Peter, that we take our focus off of him because we're so concerned with the things that are going on around us. But again, may we never forget, at least maybe when we get worried and concerned, we take our eyes off of God. At least let it be on this path of following Jesus down this difficult, narrow, radical path that he has led us down. I mean, we're making some hard choices. Yeah, we get worried at times, but at least we're out of the boat doing something crazy for God. Instantly, the Bible says in Matthew 14 that Peter sees the errors of his ways. He looks back to God and he cries out for help. And I don't think we could possibly be given any better advice than that. When you do slip up, when you do make a mistake, don't waller in your sin. Repent immediately. Get back on course and follow. We follow Jesus. The Bible says that instantly Jesus reached down and grabbed his hand and lifted him up. The prodigal son. Jesus would ask Peter a question though. Peter, why do you doubt? For crying out loud, man, I'm standing here on the water. You're standing on the water. How could you doubt? You know, Peter... You're not quite, you're not that rock yet that the church will be built on. You're not there yet. You're getting close. <laughs> you're going through the process. You're taking steps. Hopefully we all are. Matthew chapter 14, there at the end, it said that Jesus stepped into the boat and as soon as he did, the waters were calm. And the disciples fell on their face and they began to worship here and they, him and they declared, you are the son of God. In order to be a follower of Christ, there has to come a point in your life where you see this. You are the son of God, Jesus. You are God in the flesh. You're God. You're not just some man, some great religious leader, some some prophet or teacher, you are God. Do you see it this morning? Can you see it? It's a miracle if you can. Can you see it? Jesus is God. 
The proof is overwhelming. If you've never seen the movie, I highly recommend you go see it. We took about 20 college students two months ago to watch The Case for Christ. The movie's about Lee Strobel, true, true story about his life. He was a writer, a reporter. He, uh, back in the early 80s, he was also a very successful, but an atheist. His wife, I'd probably throw her in the category of an agnostic at that point in time, but due to a, a chain of events in their life, she became a Christian. And this brought a lot of conflict and a lot of problems in their home as a result. He also, Lee also worked with a guy who was a Christian, and he seemed to take out his frustration on this guy. So one day at work, the guy challenged him. He said, man, you're a reporter. You investigate for a living. Why, why don't you investigate the Christian faith? As a matter of fact, why don't you try and disprove the resurrection? Because after all, if you can do that, the rest of it all just kind of crumbles and falls in. He took the challenge. He sets out to disprove Christianity. And over the next several weeks and months... He read, oh my God, he's doing interviews with pastors, with priests, with teachers and professors. And you can watch throughout the movie, you can watch his demeanor change. He gets more and more frustrated. He drinks more and more trying to cope with the stuff that he's finding. And finally there at the end of the movie, he sits down on the couch with his wife and he said, the evidence for your faith is more overwhelming than I could have imagined. And he finally at one point said, all right, God, you win. <laughs> Jesus, you're God. There's just, there's just no possible way around it. The evidence is overwhelming. Can you see it? Can you see this crazy story that a man, Jesus, God in the flesh, came to this earth for sinners, died on a cross, was buried, raised back to life to conquer the penalty, the wages of sin, the cost of sin, death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Can you see that? Have you ever thought about that every time you look at that calendar or you pull out your phone and you look at your calendar and you set an event on that calendar, you do it according to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He changed the world. He radically changed the world. And it's hard for believers to, to actually think. People can't see this. Can you see he is Lord? He is Lord. Jesus, God. Can you see it this morning?